Welcome to this shifting moment. This is a podcast in which we're seeking a profound shift in the way that we react to things. We do that through weekly discussions and twice weekly readings and responses from some of the great thinkers and spiritual writers. And my name is Richard, and I'm a spiritual coach and a mindfulness teacher with over 20 years of experience in treatment and private practice. And my name is Josh, and I'm an ordained pastor and a writer with a history of directing spiritual communities. We want you to be a part of everything that we do. We look forward to hearing your thoughts and suggestions. Please contact us at 424-341-3860 and follow us on This Shifting Moment on Instagram and Facebook. It's so crazy because I have a lot of, you know, working with clients, I see a lot of people going, oh my God, I have to go back, I have to go back and interact with people. <laughs> oh, it, it's kind of, what, do, what do I say? How do I, how do I act? What do I do? Because it's been a while, you know, and, and, um, and so I think to me, you know, if I break down this fear of not being seen or heard, I really have to see it as a fear. Uh, I have to see it as a fear. And what do we do with fear? You know, if I'm afraid of getting into a relationship because I'll be abandoned, it means that I, I won't get into a relationship. If I'm afraid of getting into a car accident, I don't get into a car. And, and so I think the solution to that for me is, you know, is we, if, we're, if we want to walk through the fear of not being seen or heard, we have to risk uh, what it looks like to be seen and heard you know, to have an opinion, to have a voice and to put ourselves in situations where, where we're risking not being seen, where we're risking not being heard. And so to me, the fear of that is being willing to subject myself to the risk, you know, and, and that's, that's what, to me, that's walking through it. Yeah. We're actually living in that risk, right? That, because that, otherwise, we're yeah. giving fear power over us, and um, if that fear of not being seen and heard is having power over us, it means we're not going to put ourselves in situations mm. where that risk is a potential. I I think it's really interesting that if you think about the fear of like not being seen or heard from perspective of how that moves your life. And, and how it can stall your life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there are two responses to that. They're both sort of unhealthy in the extreme level. And one response to that sort of fear of not being seen or heard, which I, again, I think is a fear of like not being recognized. Right. You know, if we're really going to kind of shorten it into, it's like a fear of sitting in a room and being passed by, you know, or being in a group and being passed by, like just not being recognized as human, as like, you know, you're there. But I think one reaction we can have to this fear is that because I have this fear of being passed by or, or not being seen or heard, I'm not going to put myself in any situation right. where that could, in which where that could happen. Where this could be a possibility, mm-hmm. right? So I'm just going to avoid social situations. I'm going to avoid situations at work where like, I'm not going to risk trying to get that promotion or something. Cause God forbid, like I'm going to find out 
that I wasn't being seen or heard, like that my boss doesn't even notice me that, you know, like, and, and so there's an unhealthy version of it. The other unhealthy version, I think, which I fall more into is I'm going to overcompensate because I'm afraid that I'm not going to be seen or heard. So I think for so long, and I think for so many of us, Richard Rohr wrote this amazing, it's one of my favorite books. It's called Falling Upward. Right. And I love he talks that about, book, yeah. Yeah, it's beautiful. Just the two halves of life and what it means to be on, in the second half of life isn't so much an age thing, but it is a maturity thing. It's a spiritual maturity where we feel more confident in ourselves, more at ease, and we're not... like He defines the first half of life, which if you're looking at this chronologically... Um, if we're just looking at age is generally, you know, till you're, till you're in your forties or something like that. So like, but I think the energy is really kind of like that, that for me, it was like that early twenties energy where it was, I need to constantly prove myself. I got to build this up. I got to, you know, um, I have to make my mark is kind of that first half of life energy. And the true part about that is like, it's so easy to make that really really unhealthy really quickly like like that energy might be a good signal or marker but it's not a good follow-through plan right it's not like if I'm constantly having to assert myself as like Mr. Confident, Mr. Personality, it, that that's what we call an annoying person, right? right. <laughs> that's what we call someone we don't want to be around. Like, I don't want to be around the person who's constantly having to prove themselves. Right. Um, so I think, yeah, there's, there's those two options. And I think the beautiful thing is that, you know, there is a third way. There's a way in the middle where we have to kind of bring those two together. And I think maturity is a mixture of, I don't need to assert myself right now, or... It's a mixture of, you know what, I'm afraid to assert myself, but that might be the right thing in this situation. Right. You know? Yeah. Well, I, you know, I think, tricky. I think some of it comes back to, you know, how we, what, what is our relationship like with us? You know, how we see ourselves, you know, if I don't see myself in, in, a, in a really great light, it's going to feel painful if I'm not feeling heard or seen. Um, but if, um, and, you know, again, I'm in the later half of my life, you know, I'm a 69 year old dude and I'm not sure that I really care if I'm seen or heard, to be honest with you. That's uh, beautiful. Because, I love that. I mean, that. there's a lot of ageism in our world, honestly. I mean, I experienced that. And, um, and so when you're an older guy and you got gray hair showing and, and, and so forth and so on, there's a, a certain attitude that people take around that. And it, to me, in a lot of, t- a lot of ways, it's kind of unmistakable, but it's, you know, I've learned to be okay with it because I, I think I know kind of who I am and it doesn't change how I see myself. When I, when the outside stuff starts to change the way that we see ourselves, it, it can be a problem. And I'm not saying that I do it perfectly. Certainly I like to be feel seen and heard when I walk into a room, but you know, there are times for me when I haven't felt that way seen or heard. And it's, you know, it's interesting for me because in, in doing spiritual coaching, I work in a lot of drug and alcohol treatment centers. And so there is a phenomenal number of, um, psychotherapists and psychologists and psychiatrists and blah, 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 all these certifications and these validations, these, uh, and I don't have any of that. And so it's really easy for me to not feel seen or heard in that environment. Um, 
But because to me, I think it comes back to the internal work and I, I will always keep coming back to the values. If I'm, if I know the, who am I, um, it's going to be a little bit less impactful if somebody else doesn't know who I am or the, who am I, so to speak. Um, and so as long as I have a sense of self that I'm bringing in every situation and circumstance, um, I'm a little bit less likely to be in fear of, of how other people see me. That's been my experience. And so, again, it comes back to the values work that we did in the earlier sessions. And it's, you know, it's, you know I'm starting to see that kind of as my life work. And um, I think it's really, because if I know who I am and I'm reaffirming that over and over again, that is something that is basically unchangeable. It keeps me on track of uh, of seeing. So when I see myself in in situations where I feel not heard or not seen, it's a lot less impactful, um, because I it's about how I see myself. Yeah. I don't know if that makes yeah. sense. Anyway, I was talking. It totally talking no, in it's, circles. I, I, <laughs> no, I know. I think that makes perfect sense. I I'm struck with the fact that like, you know, I didn't have I didn't have a dynamite educational experience either. I think education was always something I really, really struggled with. And, um, when I think about not being seen and heard, I get really irked when, you know, someone shows up and they're like, you know, I've got a doctorate in biblical theology and I've got a, you know, whatever. And, and my parents are like crazy edgy. My dad's a, has a doctorate in exactly what I said, <laughs> um, in theology. My mom went to Brown, got like a near perfect score on her SATs, you know, has two different masters. Like that was always just such a value. Um, and when I was a kid, I grew up with a crazy learning disability and just could not, I could not hang. And then add that on top of, we moved every two years, you know, until I was like 15 and I went to four different high schools and, you know, yeah, the, the, the thing that I found early on was finding myself in, in music, finding myself in, um, the arts and that held me, you know, through the, the craziness that was like not being able to read a book because of my ADD was so insane, you know, some dyslexic stuff going on, just everything like that. And so I think I still to this day get really triggered by, you know, people with, with high education I, degrees yeah, and I stuff do like too. that. I do too. But I the, feel, the, yeah. the biggest thing for me is credentials and stuff are, you get me on a huge rabbit trail that I could get a whole bunch of trouble for, but I, know, <laughs> I, think, I can do the same thing. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I, we can, we, we can always edit this, but I, I, I think the, the, the real thing is what if, I mean, God, what if that had held you back? Like I know Richard, I know people who you've worked with myself included that like would be robbed of life if you had not gone for it and, and leaned into the work that you did, because there was something in you that, that called you even past like all of the, the bullshit. And then the people that were saying, you can't do that. You can't do that. You can't, you know, like what if you had, what if you had succumbed to that fear and just said like, no, one of my favorite quotes is um, it's from a, a book and I, I forget what the title of the book is. It's, uh, it's by Charlie McKay. It's this beautiful like children's book. And my wife actually gave it to me. It was in a stack of books when I had to go into my first detox and it was right when, um, like, like the worst part of COVID had hit. And so like every 
I think she went to a Target and like everything was pulled off the shelves, like because everything was selling. Because we all thought, you know, and we were right, <laughs> the apocalypse was about to happen. There were only a couple books left, and so she gave me, which is really funny to say, because now people on this podcast are gonna be like, "That's where you pull everything from." But it was a, <laughs> it was a book on Mister Rogers, and it was a book. It was this mole book, because it was the only book, and it looked like a adult book, but it was a children's book. And I found so much peace and hope in this in this bowl, the, the, the boy, the horse and the mole book. Um, because it was just these, these really beautiful, innocent conversations between these three characters. And, and one, the boy is sort of always the inquisitive voice and this like kind of what, what do I do here? What do I do here? And the horse kind of acts as this really wise sort of, sort of sensei or, you know, like almost like a spiritual guide to the boy. And he asked the boy at one point, he said, what, what would you do? if you weren't so afraid what would you do if you weren't so afraid you know they were having this conversation on you know what do I want to do with my life and all that and the key question to answer for the spiritual guide was well if you really ask yourself what would you do if you weren't so afraid and I think the moments in my life I look back on that were the most powerful and that I'm most proud of were moments that I decided that fear was not going to take the driver's seat and that I was actually going to like, I was going to do it regard. I had to do it. There was something in me that just said like, I've got to do this. Right. And you know, like kind of consequences be damned. (laughs) I'm going to give it a shot no matter what. And I I think there's so much in our world that wants to hold people back like credentials or like whatever that might be for you could be anything for you. It could be, you know, you know, it's, it's, and I, I love that. And it's, you know, I, when I look back, um, and I, you know, I don't know if a lot of people know that Josh and I both come from a, a singer songwriter background yeah, and, yeah. um, I made a living playing drums for 25 years. And when I first got sober, I taught myself guitar and to sing and to write my own songs. And it was the scariest thing in the world for me to go at the time. They were having a lot of open mics in, in Los Angeles and there was open mic place everywhere and I used to go to open mics and drag my guitar around and I wasn't the greatest singer and I certainly wasn't a very good guitar player and I think my songs were pretty good but you know there was a lot of other people that were a lot better than me and I used to sit in 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 the in the coffee shop and see all these incredible people just get up there and do this stuff and I would get up to the microphone and you know, and I'd see people get up and go get a cup of coffee or go to the bathroom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. it really gave me this sense that I wasn't being heard or seen. And what happened for me is um, I had to remind myself, um, but if I want to be good at this, this is what I have to do. This is what I have to do. And I have to be willing to to not be seen. I had to be willing to not be heard. I had to be willing to be terrible at what I do. I had to be willing to be a beginner, you know, and, and they talk about about that in in Buddhism. And I think, um, always a beginner, always a beginner. We have beginner's mind. And if I'm going to grow at something, I got to be willing to be a beginner at something. And even being a beginner at not being seen or not being heard, it's okay to not be seen or not being heard. There's a lot of people that don't feel not seen and not heard. And I think what happens for us is because we do have social media, it's easy for us to pull up Facebook or Twitter or Instagram and go, look at everybody's noticing them. Everybody's noticing them and they're not noticing me. 
And so I think it's that tendency for us to compare and contrast ourselves that um, even the people that we might compare ourselves that are being noticed had moments in time where nobody was really paying attention to them either. Um, I don't think anybody goes through life always feeling noticed or heard or seen. I think it's, it's part of the journey for everyone. It's not so much about having the fear, it's about what we're doing with the fear. And again, it's what I, I talked about, and it's like, like what you said. It's like, what would, what would I do if I wasn't afraid? No, man, you bring up such a good point about the, I mean, there were so many good points in there. I don't even know where to kind of um, move from. But I, yeah, I, I think of social media is so prevalent right now, whether we like it or not. You don't have to be an influencer to feel that way. You know, you need to be just a human being on a social media platform to go like, I, I mean, I have never, this is the truth. And I don't know why I keep coming back to it <laughs> because I've never scrolled. There's an awful feeling when you scroll through Instagram and you realize you've hit the bottom. If you've ever hit the bottom of the scroll and it says there are no new stories, <laughs> like that doesn't happen all the time. And I've done that enough to see that and go like, oh my dear God, what am I doing with my life that I had time <laughs> to scroll to the bottom and see this message? And I've never put the phone down and gone like, you know what? Time well spent. I've, I've never thought to myself like... I feel better now. Like, I, oh, what a great, yeah, like, you know, I can feel that way after I've gone on a run. I can feel that way after I've meditated. I can feel that way after a good conversation with someone or a good hang. I have never once scrolled through social media and then after putting my phone, computer, whatever it is down, that felt gone, good. <laughs> what a great afternoon. Like, <laughs> never. Because you know, I we, like, see, we, yeah. we see somebody, it's like, oh, so-and-so's in a relationship. Oh, so-and-so, oh, it looks like all my friends went to a party and I didn't get invited. Or and I, Exactly. It, it's the it's the FOMO thing, and it's it's so real. Like, we, we joke about it, but we all joke so about it because real. we're secretly yeah. all look, look, freaked out that someone else is having a better life than us. Look at the, <laughs> or not just someone else, everyone else. Look at the vacation like, that they're having, you know, and they're traveling all over the world and they're showing pictures and everybody's seeing that, but my life is uneventful. You know, and, um, and and honestly, there's nothing wrong with that. You know. Yeah, yeah. I. It doesn't change I, our enoughness. It it doesn't change our enoughness, and I think that's the, the general, thing. I'm I'm dealing like my big shift right now in my wrestling with my own like, spirituality, my own, you know, concept of like, of, from from being a pastor. To now still being a pastor, but still like like encountering conversations that are much more open and, and you know, really like engaging with different traditions and, and all of that kind of stuff and not being, you know, so pigeonholed. My the most the beautiful realization is like if you look at all of the traditions that people find hope in, right? Like traditions that people genuinely like love and are engaged with enough to pass it down to a family member or enough to like, you know, want to share it. Um, these are traditions that are all kind of pointing to the same thing. And it's, it's not that like, you know, a life of cash and prizes or whatever it might be. A lot of these traditions, most of them, if they're worth anything <laughs> are pointing to like your, your enoughness, exactly. like your, 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 your already enough and you just need to rediscover it. Right. I don't think you can talk to a baby who's convinced that like they're not already enough. You know, like there's an indignant thing to like a toddler or something where they they just inherently know their enoughness. I was on a run two or three days ago and I passed 
it's on this beautiful like kind of tree lined street that's near where I'm living right now and um and this this little girl had like a picnic blanket out on the side of the on, in her little front yard um with like a teddy bear and like like a tea set and was just full blown having an awesome conversation with the teddy bear <laughs> and was on this blanket soaking in the sun. And I remember I was running and I started my run with all this anxiety over work and relationship and adult problems. And I'm running and I'm trying to run off this anxiety. And I just passed this little girl fully embraced in the moment. And I just am like, dang, I'm so jealous of her right now. Because <laughs> I wish she's I not could worried about it. what other people, she's not worried about whether people are noticing her or see her. She's not doubting whether she's enough. I mean, it, it's all this stuff. It's inherent. I, I think, I, I, I mean, I, we're bringing up great points. I think the, some of these, these fears are learned. We don't, yes. we don't come out of the shoot with these fears. These fears are oh, learned. The, um, the greatest thing I, I ever learned. And the, the greatest thing I ever learned in, um, from a therapist was that the two fears you're actually born with are the fear of falling down and the fear of loud noises. So when you come out of the womb, those are the only two built-in fears. That means that everything else is learned. Everything else that we're afraid of is a learned fear. We picked that up somewhere and chose to hold on to it. You know, yeah, it's like it's like if I'm afraid of not being seen or not being heard. It basically comes down to I'm afraid that I'm not enough, and so my sense of I'm enough is is really that's our work, that's our spiritual work. And actually, believing that more than the fear, mm-hmm. or, or daring maybe to believe that as much as we believe fear. Exactly. <laughs> Just try that. Try matching your belief, you know, on the other side. Like I trust stress. Mm-hmm like in a way that would give like a saint a run for their money on the faith level. Like if something is stressing me out, I believe it to my core, right? It's, it, it, it changes my body. The physicality of my body changes because I believe it. So my heart starts racing. I might, you know, fidget, I might sweat. Um, these are embodied beliefs that we have Mm -hmm. and fear takes us like that. But the crazy part is I really believe that there's a way to believe in things like hope or enoughness as we're talking about, or just overall goodness as much as we can believe in that straight. And that that might actually like embody and, and, right. you know, make us feel better. Right. Like <laughs> I think, you know, there are all sorts of studies that link your, your happiness to your, your lifespan and your health and all of that. It's, it's all connected. I love that. Yeah. I mean, it, it really is. And it's like, it's kind of how we walk through life and it's, kind of how I'm I carry the things because I think we all have our own insecurities we all have our own self-doubts to me it's not about so much having them it's how we're carrying them if we're letting them control our life um, and affect the choices that we make on a day-to-day basis then you know we need to take a look at that and and uh, because if we make choices based on that fear on that doubt on that not enoughness if we make choices based on that, ultimately what we're going to do is we're giving power to that fear. We're giving power to that not enoughness. We'll start to see it infiltrate other areas of our, of our lives, including the way we take care of ourselves. If I don't, I mean, really, if I don't see myself as enough, if I am living in fear that I'm not being seen or heard, it starts to translate into I take actions 
that reflect that I don't feel like I'm being seen or heard. And that can affect our eating habits, our physical exercise. It can uh, affect our sleep. All, all kinds of stuff and so it, it kind of it kind of, it's kind of a ball that starts to expand the more we start to believe that that's true it starts to infiltrate other areas of our lives we'll avoid relationships we'll avoid um all kinds of things that that um are reflective of of how we feel about ourselves it just sucks that it's so hard to really own that and feel that enoughness, you know, because I just. Well, and, and to me, to me, I mean, in order to kind of feel like we're enough or feel like we're to be seen or heard, I, I have to see and, fee- and, and hear me, you know, and I have to, that means I have to listen to my body. I have to listen to what the stories I'm telling myself. I, I, I have to be, you know, and that's where I think where meditation is really powerful. And I encourage everybody to have a regular meditation practice where we can begin to see those thoughts that we have a tend to be, tendency to believe. Ajashanti talks about this a lot in a lot of his readings. He said, as a young child, he said, I started to realize that um, one of the reasons that people suffer so much, that people are struggling with life so much, is they have a tendency to believe their thinking. And we don't have to believe our thinking. Our thinking, they're it's just thoughts. They're not necessarily reality. And so we, tra- we, we, we follow the trail of our thinking into anticipating a future where we might feel unloved or uncared for, unheard, un- or we drag forward the stories of our past in the moments where we felt unseen or unheard. And we kind of carry them around with us like a big old sack of potatoes that we have slung over our shoulder and we just keep dragging those old stories forward with us and we kind of live that reality and that's just our old thinking but if we the meditation practice that I usually do is really focused on the breath and bringing ourselves into the present moment and realizing that those stories that I tell myself about not being seen or heard um and anticipating that I won't be seen or heard are not reality. And, and if I'm in the present moment, um, that's not maybe happening in the present moment. Or I can begin to address uh, that fear of not being seen or not being heard one day at a time. I, I break it down into the smaller moments. Maybe I can just address that today. What's causing me to feel that way today? Maybe by staying off social media or maybe taking <laughs> care of myself in a way that would reflect that I am enough. I, I love that image of like that giant sack of potato. Like just that we do, we carry, we carry that brown. They, we carry that giant and drop the baggage drop let it go let it let it go the monastic tradition seemed to understand that really well like if you were to visit a um a franciscan monastery especially like if you go to one in in europe but even like in the old days they used to have a role for one of the monks um and it was his one job and it was called a porter and the porter would stand in the doorway and the porter's job was never to turn anyone away it was always to welcome them in, and the porter's other job was to make sure that whatever the person was carrying was taken from them and put down beside him. So he would take the load, and then he would say, you're very welcome here. And in that doorway, he'd take that load. So 
Yeah, it it was it was a symbolic action. As much as he was taking, you know, the the weary traveler's, you know, suitcase or whatever, with like huge backpack, whatever it was that was burdening them, he was also saying, in, in like a spiritual sense, in a in a heart sense, hey, you're very welcome here as you walk through this doorway. Like, experience that lightness. Experience that, like, you know. And I think we can. We we need more spaces in our lives where we realize the porter standing right there mm-hmm. ready to take all of that from us. Right. Like there, there are infinite amounts of opportunity to hand off that stuff, like <laughs> to go, like, I'm no longer going to carry this. And I need, I need to understand fully my welcomeness, my, right. my, yeah. Inherent lightness that, you know, is already there. It's already built there. Again. And I, you know, I love that analogy because a lot of times the more we carry around with us, the more, um, the more baggage we carry around. And I've seen this with some of the people, some people that I've worked with that have achieved great successes in their lives. You know, they've achieved, you know, the recognition and notoriety, you know, famous actresses and musicians and sports stars. And, um, one of the things that I found in common with all that people strived and strived and strived for all this, these, uh, this recognition and what happens for them is they become afraid of losing it. They, they become, what if people don't notice me anymore? What if people, you know, again, it's not feelings. They, they've had moments of feeling incredibly seen and heard. And the more they've felt seen and heard, the more they're afraid to not be seen and heard. They're afraid to lose it. It's like people who have acquired, you know, great wealth. Um, it, it's, it's wonderful, but more often than not, what you find a lot of times, and not always, but a lot of times you find people that are afraid um, to lose what they've acquired. And I think that's where, like, giving and generosity right. come in as such a help to all of this. It's such a, such a almost like a, you know, an anti-fear sort of a thing is, is if I am living my life in a generous pattern and a generous, I was just listening to a, um, a podcast of a really successful, the host, this really successful guy in you know, movies and TV and comedy and all of this. And he says, whenever he has someone over, he and his wife always try and give something away. Like they're always trying to go, you just, just take it, just take it. (laughs) Like if they comment on like the painting or whatever, they're like, oh, you should have it. Like it's that kind of a level. But they say what that does for him is like, he doesn't, that now I don't have to look at everything and, and, you know, fear that one day it'll be taken away from me. Like I'm, I'm, uh, yeah, a conduit for this stuff for the, and I think we can do the same. We don't have to have, you know, the $9,000 painting on the wall. We can have, maybe it's a feeling or something. Maybe just, Hey, just take this. Like. You know, whatever it is we have to offer, we're just giving it away. Generosity of yeah. spirit. You know, and, and sometimes my feeling is that if we're afraid of not being seen or not being heard, I think it's really important to make sure that we're seeing and hearing other people. You know, when you're, um, when you're going through the grocery store line, uh, the checkout clerk, really spend a few minutes and see her really look into her eyes and go wow how are you doing today you know and sometimes you look at the name tag on somebody that's waiting on you with a clerk in the store and you call them by name 
So you're really seeing and hearing them. And so what we feel like we're lacking, um, sometimes one of the ways that we can um, offset that fear is by giving to other people what we're afraid of not getting. That is the path to like feeling seen and heard mm-hmm. is just by giving seeing and hearing others hearing that, that and is, really giving to them what you're afraid you're not getting and what that does is it opens the door for us and so if we go through our day really paying attention to embracing that generosity of spirit smiling at people as we walk by them on the streets acknowledging them really seeing them wow I don't, we, we just came first full circle. <laughs> okay.